0: Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck and I'm your host and your name is Listener and that's what you do. You listen. Um, on today's show we have Nikki Glazer, brilliant comedian. Uh, she has a serious satellite show. She has a new podcast coming out. She's She crushes it on like a, a ridiculous amount of levels and yet I so loved our conversation because as accomplished and as impressive as she is, she's just a human, much like me, battling the demons, working through the things. And she uh, was nice enough to talk to me over the phone uh, from her parents' house in St. Louis. So shout out to her parents. Thank you for allowing Nikki and I to podcast um, from via your home. Um Anyway, guys, I I think you're gonna love this. I just love podcasting. This is a big reason why to have conversations like this. By the way, if you like the pod, do me a favor, rate it. Throw throw a review if you're bored. I know nobody wants to throw a review. Don't you fucking hate when you're on an app and things are going great and then you get that pop up? Hey, are you enjoying this? Do you like Postmates? Well, why don't you throw us a five-star rating? I'm like, I'm in the middle of ordering friggin' lo mein. Don't pressure me in a rating. I'm trying to order dinner. But I'm going to do that right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you while making your dinner order and say, uh, yeah, throw the podcast a rating. It always helps if you love it. And if not, I still love you. Um, all right, y'all. Get excited. Here's Nikki Glazer. This is happening. Um, so you know, we're not going to talk about quarantine barely at all. But it, it it's worth mentioning that you are currently holed up in your parents' house. Yes.
1: Yeah, I've been in. I've been at my parents' house uh, since the beginning of this. I just decided that. I didn't, I, I don't know. I just, I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have a husband. I Um. I was already with my parents when it was starting to go down. They. I was. I live in New York, but I was visiting LA for some work and I had my mom uh, fly out to LA from St. Louis with my dad because um, my mom was going to be on the Kelly Clarkson show with me mm. the week before this all went down. And so they were already with me when things were starting to get weird. And so they were going home to St. Louis. I was supposed to go home to New York and I was like, can I just go back with you guys until this blows over? And, um, you know, the rest is history. So here I've been here living at my childhood home, where I've you know grew up we live we've lived here since nineteen ninety six so a lot of memories and and in, in this house, and it's weird to be back now. I lived at home when I was twenty five for a year and a half, and I never thought I'd be back. like I just I thought there was no way this could happen.
0: Are you and Andy Cohen the most famous people to come out of St Louis? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am, he might be. I'm pretty low on the list. We've got some pretty good ones. We've got um, John Hamm. Mm. We've got Carly Kloss. We've got Ellie Kemper. We've got Scott Bakula. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer. Sterling K. Brown. Good looking people then, from St. Louis. I mean, it's not a bad group. I'm actually really proud to, to be from here. I like everyone is extremely talented and, and like kind of a cool celebrity or like has a, you know, reputation of being like pretty down, down to earth and cool. So I'm happy to be on the list. Finally, they acknowledged me. I recently got on the local um, news station here because I'm back living here. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good in St. Louis. It's a great place to feel more famous than you are.
0: The the yet another beautiful <laughs> silver lining to our current yeah, situation. This is my Garden State moment. Do you... I, I was in St. Louis for like a day because I did a gig out there at the university and it, it was hard for me to get a beat on the city, if that makes sense. Because yeah. it was like... I'm like, this seems cool and multicultural and like slightly updated. And then you're like quickly reminded that you're in Missouri.
1: Yes, that's it. It's like... There's it's not um, shouldn't be lost on anyone that Ferguson is like St. Louis. I mean, we everyone's talking about Ferguson, but Ferguson is next to the St. Louis airport like it's St. Louis. So it's really like there's a lot of ways in which St. Louis is kind of um, just embarrassingly conservative and a little bit racially weird and and, but it's trying its best and there are really great people here and I I do love it but it's it's as multicultural as it seems on the outside when you're in it it can be very not that way and you can feel it it can just it doesn't there's a there's something St. Louis things are weird you know sometimes I, I grew up like kind of thinking like Oh, everything's fine. But it's like, it's not very equal here. It's um, it's a very segregated city, unfortunately. But I think it's gotten better since I've moved. Since I've moved back. Everyone's hanging out. I'm just kidding. No one's hanging
0: out. Well, it's easy to think it's like, quarantine. It's, it's easy to think like whether you're in New York or L.A. that, you know, it sort of goes past all that sort of division or or, or having pockets that are that are yeah. pretty majority one area. But like I'm in L.A. and if I drive 20 minutes towards a beautiful oasis called Simi Valley, it's <laughs> pretty fucking white and cops and like, yes, you wouldn't want to be an outsider around there. I don't think.
1: Absolutely. I, I think it's, it's uncomfortable to talk about and especially when I come back here and I rub it in my parents face that St. Louis is racist <laughs> uh, and that we all grew up like it's it's just in the air here and to not acknowledge that we grew up in a segregated city where it was like it's that that we have prejudices that are just in our system in our just because of that's the way we, we didn't know any better. So not to acknowledge that because I. I come back all woke and shit and I'm like, this town fucking sucks. You know, like, excuse my French, but it's like this town, this is embarrassing. Like get with it. Um, So it, I do call it out when I see it. And it can be kind of uncomfortable when I'm just like, yeah, I just, um, I don't know that I would have known a black person had they not been like bused in from the city to my little school in the suburbs. And thank God there was a program like that because Otherwise, you wouldn't you I wouldn't have known any um, African-American people growing up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a great point. It's an interesting point of contention, not contention, but something my wife and I are working on because, you know, my kid is is of the white persuasion. And I grew up in New York (laughs) City and we're in L.A. And she's from Manhattan Beach, which is like a perfect, beautiful beach community. Great schools, great life. You can't hate it at all but I do slightly get a pit in my stomach thinking that he could go to school with 95% of people that look like him, you know?
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's for the best.
0: Right. I don't
1: know. It's not good. And I'm, and it happens all the time though. So yeah, that's the, that's, that's hard raising a kid. Like you want what you you're figuring out. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough choice about where to send them because I would want them to be exposed to the most different amount of people. I find that like I was so sheltered growing up and now I've, if there's a chance for me to hang out with people that I wouldn't normally hang out with, I like scoop it up because I feel like it just enriches me as a person so much more. Like I'm, I'm more drawn to like, I don't know. I I want to take the train. Cause I'm like, when am I going to get to sit this close next to someone and be this intimate with someone that I never would even talk to. That's kind of why I like public transit.
0: There was just, <laughs> the, uh, there's so many good, I mean, if you can randomly once a year, see a man masturbating on the six train, that's that where teaches
1: me something about myself.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that's worth a year long Metro card. Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, just getting exposed to culture down there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just people screaming at each other and flicking their snot on you. And no, it's not that bad. It's that bad right now, I think. I mean, I think the the subway seems like a nightmare right now from what I've heard. Right. But because, maybe it's exaggerated.
0: Well, I've been, you know, I wanted to ask you because uh, I find it really interesting. Like, do you have any, do you have a take on the idea of like, there are so many comedians like, you know, Dalia's from L.A. or... You know David Tell who's from New York, and Rogan, who's from Boston, and then you have people like you, who are like from the Midwest, and Aziz is from South Carolina, and mm-hmm. Theo Vaughn's from Louisiana. Like, do you think that not being from a in quotes major city um, shapes the way like your sort of approach to comedy or the way you look at things?
1: Um, I wonder. I think that. I think in so many ways it makes you so much like we were just talking about. I think that I would be a better artist had I been around different people growing up. I mean, I'm grateful for how I turned out and I was, it it all worked out. But if I had the choice, I would like to raise my kid in like New York City. I think that New York City kids are the coolest. I study them on the train. I'm like jealous of how cool they are. They like know how to get around, they just seem competent and, uh, and And independent in a way that other kids don't. And I think I was just a really frightened kid and I was scared of everything. So maybe I wouldn't have been maybe turned into a comic had I lived grown up in New York because I would have been faced with my fears of like being around people and getting kidnapped and all of these things I was scared of. Sure. Um, but I do look at New York kids like as like so much cooler than all of us. Do you feel that as an as a New York kid?
0: So I I lived there till I was 14 and a lot of my closest friends stayed there into their 20s and then weirdly they all sort of escaped to LA and it's oh. like anything in my opinion it it has its drawbacks like you're right they're they're ultra savvy they're super self-sufficient and capable at a level that like probably most kids aren't but they're also fucking annoying with like yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's almost I firmly believe that even if growing up in the greatest city in the world, that it is a detriment for you to never leave the place where you grew up.
1: Yes, no matter where it is, because there's no place that's going to you're going to get it all.
0: Yes. Yes. And also, like, and I'm sure you see these kids on the train, like, these New York kids who, like, have the perfect Air Force Ones on and, like, Mm -hmm. their fitted cap looks like it's never, like, once been bent the wrong way. And they say things, like, on God. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes, that's what I mean. I'm so intimidated by how cool they are. Yeah, it's, it does seem, um, I mean, they, I do listen to their conversations in the eavesdrop because it, it is one of my favorite things to just, like, like I was saying, just listen to different people on the train. And like and they do seem to be having the same kind of conversations that I had in my own world. But I think I just project onto them like, God, it would be so fun to be like to have somewhere to go like the New York City is just one big playground. Like you can stay outside and you can just go places. It's one big mall. And that is the only place as a kid in the suburbs where you feel free to like roam and like fuck around is like at the mall. And because you can't really do it at your parents' house because your parents are there. So like in New York City, outside is a mall. There's no like city center in St. Louis that like we can go downtown and, you know, it just that's that's what I liked about it was that it seemed like the whole city was your playground as kids. And did you feel that? Like, could you was there like places that? The the kids would gather like parks and like you could just ride the train all day and fuck around like that would be so like the the subway would be like a toy for me as a kid like that would have been so fun to just ride it different weird ways and like I mean what did that feel like that to you like yes
0: we could do anything in this town. There was definitely like a, especially like it's something as simple as eating. It felt like we had such a different sort of experience when it came to like so many different ethnic foods, cultural experiences, like, yeah. unafraid to like try I mean like you know when you're like 13 in New York City like a chubby Jewish kid eating like Jamaican goat you're like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like anything is possible and and I I do notice it's funny you say that like while most of my friends who aren't from New York when they're they'll share their experience it seems more like uniform and universal And then I'll tell a story about like, so we were at my friend Chelsea Ray's house in the Bronx and we were swimming in her above ground pool. And then like, (laughs) I drank too much like orange soda and vodka and threw up on the, you know, on the, (laughs) on the end train. And they're like, and people get a kick out of it. They're like, that's a great story. And I'm like, it it seemed very normal to me.
1: Yes. It's just, that's so funny. It does add just so much, um, like, the stakes are so much higher in New York City. It just seems like every every thing you could do as a kid we could probably have been a, a movie, like an adventure, a teen adventure movie because of just getting lost in New York. Like, I, And I still feel that way. Like, I miss New York, and that's one of the reasons I love it so much. Living there is, like, you, there's always something to do. And I think when you're a kid, you always want something to do. There's so little, like... No one really needs downtime when you're a teenager. And I feel like that city just supports like kind of the kid mentality of like, let's stay up all night and fucking (laughs) let's, let's hang out. Let's go here. Let's go there. Like it just, there's something, but now that, now that you can't do that, I'm like, Oh, I don't even want to go back there. Like I, what am I going to just sit in my apartment all day and like not hang out with friends? Like that's why I'm kind of like, everyone's like, we got to go back to New York. And I'm like, no, I don't. Like I, the clubs, the comedy clubs aren't working. Um. No restaurants are really open. Like that's what I love New York for. So I'm kind of like, mm, I might move.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, where would, you, where would you move if you you didn't go back there?
1: Um. Well, I I planned on living there for a while. Like I was actually settling in right before this happened, and I got an apartment that my lease started March first, and it was like a really nice place. I'd been really holding out on getting a place and actually settling in and buying furniture. I hired a decorator. I was really going to be like, this is my life now. And then this Ooh. whole thing hit. And now I have an empty apartment in New York. I'm moving out of it. And I think, you know, I'd either go back to LA. I've gone LA, New York, LA, New York, and now LA again, I so, think, or I just it- might be in St. Louis. I just might settle in St. Louis. Cause I'm really, if I've learned anything from this pandemic, it's that I can get, Everything I need to get done for the most part from here, you know, and if I want to go be on a TV show or have a meeting, uh LA is now from St. Louis, like a three and a half hour plane ride. That ain't nothing, you know, I don't I- really need to be there. And I kind of love it here because I might get to see my niece and nephew grow up. And, uh, and there's just a whole world of possibilities now because of this quarantine that I never entertained. I was like, I'll just never live in St. Louis. And now I'm like, I totally could.
0: I think it is, you know, it's so funny. I, I romanticize, because my wife and I are looking at a house right now. And listen, Nikki, between you and I, we got some scratch, okay? We're not <laughs> hurting. <laughs> 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 like a little bit of money, which anywhere else in the world would be considered like a, you know, uh, just a, a oh, bag of riches. And yes! in LA, it's not, it doesn't translate. And so I sometimes, when I get, when I'm getting really weird at night, I'm talking 9.30, mm-hmm. 9.45 at night. Oh, that's a weird time. I know what you're saying. I go to realtor.com and I check out houses in Austin, <laughs> Texas. Oh,
1: dude. you Oh, it's Austin's just a skip and a jump. I mean, that's nothing away from, and, right? and Austin's so nice. And I, what oh, I bet what you can get. For, it's, it's wild what they you have, can
0: get. They have Lululemon in Texas. They have
1: exactly.
0: They have, I'm sure, a a, a lemonade or a a you know a chipotle. A lemonade, I love Austin. it. You love lemonade. That's literally what I would have picked
1: too if I was thinking of an LA spot. That I'm like, they they have they have uh, they don't have you know they might not have Cafe Gratitude, but they have <laughs> some place that is as pretentious and uh, overpriced and makes you like say some sort of gratitude list before you eat um yeah <laughs> austin has everything that they that you can do your peloton from there um oh, what a year yeah i i don't know i don't know that i need to be in la um and 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 i do yeah you can get so it's so that's the problem though it's like your money's like it seems like the money I've made, I'm so glad that I was able to make the money I made in the past couple of years leading up to this time where I don't have any work coming in. And I feel all right, but I am looking to the future like, oh yeah, my money's not going to get me as much elsewhere. And I never really considered that before. I'm like, no, I should just, I could buy a house in St. Louis tomorrow and just be fine. And 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 then give it to my parents someday when I move. Like I am have all these plans now. Um, that I did it before, but I'm I wouldn't have known had I not had Zoom not come along and taken over my life.
0: Well, you're, you know, I, I I've heard you on Howard many times before, and and I'm such a fan, and I've listened to you. I know you're no stranger to the whole self help game. And yeah, I I too, you know, I'm I'm 12 years sober, and uh, and so I've nice. I've I've embraced the life. So what's mm-hmm. what's that like? Are you because, on one hand, you have, you know, you're in that sort of echelon of like people who are utterly crushing it. And yet, it, it very much seems like there's a part of you that says, I'd be happy to make that my profession and my passion, but to have my social life and my personal life be completely based in something other than showbiz. Am I getting the right read or am I totally off?
1: Um, I don't know that. W- what you're right about is that I long for a happiness that this business cannot provide me and a serenity and a, like a peace with myself that I know deep down my career does not ultimately give me what it does give me is like, I, I still really get off from the attention I get on stage and oh, making yeah. people laugh and like, like they just, I can't deny it, but I think I, I never really considered any life outside of my career until this all went down. I mean, I've always like wanted a husband and a fam, maybe a family. I mean, that even was a wild thought or like,
0: why, why is it a wild, wild thought?
1: Um, because a family to me is like, I don't have time to do what I want to do in my career and be a mother. I just, I, and, and that's not to say that it can't be done. It could, I can't do that. I know my limits and I can't be a good mom and do and be do everything I want to do work wise and also have time to nap and and work on myself. I value being able to read, being able to nap, being able to go for a run. Like I'm too selfish, um, I think for a family at this point. But, you know, I just now, though, I'm like, oh, those things kind of matter because, like, jobs can go away. I never thought stand-up could go away. In what world would stand-up ever abandon me? That was, like, in my back pocket no matter what. Like, it was just some, it was just this security blanket that has now been stripped away. So now I'm like, oh, I could be anything. I could, I'm thinking about going back to school some days. And then I'm thinking about, oh, I'll just have a kid. Like, I anything is possible now.
0: But are uh, you... Because, Yeah are you the person who goes and does a killer bring down the house, 20 minute set at the comedy store and then hangs out till two in the morning with everyone? Or do you want to go home after?
1: I, because I don't drink, I do not. um, I do not hang out, but I do at this. Yes, I do like to hang out. I really do. I'm pretty social. Um, I like to keep it very like the people I'm closest with, but I, you know, the thing is the older you get as a comic, the less you really hang out like comics hang out, but the ones that hang out every night are just alcoholics. No offense to those comics, but But like that really, but you know, but you know who you are. And if you don't think you're an alcoholic, it's okay. Someday (laughs) you'll hit a bottom, but um, no, it's just hanging out is always fun, but it's not like an every night thing. That's like, that's, that's in your twenties. That's when I was drinking a lot really. And you just, that does, that doesn't, I don't, like I was even saying this, I don't miss the hangs as much with comedians as I do the moments as I'm walking on stage and they're walking off and we have this passing moment of like a couple seconds where they're like, how you been? Good? Yeah, me too. Good. Are they good? Yeah, they're good. All right, cool. Good. See you soon. And like, I miss those. And then I miss, you know, going getting off stage and talking to Kevin Nealon for five minutes and then getting in my car and going home. I'm pretty like introverted and I would And only until recently, uh, since this quarantine, have I not done stand-up at night. For the past 15 years of my life, I've done stand-up every single night of my life. And maybe for a couple years, I had a boyfriend. And so I would maybe stay home and watch TV with him instead. But even then, I was doing sets most of the time. Um, And now this has forced me to like, oh my God, you can just like eat dinner and then stay and and like get into pajamas and go watch TV. Like you don't have to do anything. My whole life, every single night, never taking a single day off, not even weekends. I eat dinner and I go out and I do stand up and I eat dinner and no matter what I did during the day. And so now I'm like, oh my God, I could live in a world where I don't do stand up every night and I just like hang out with my family. I could do that. I can finally see it.
0: Speaking as someone who's been very, um, you know, I, I was always ultra driven and had like, I was like a Jamaican guy. I always had like six jobs. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, always because, you know, I grew up a broke kid. And so now I have my wife and, and my mom who, who I have to look out for. And thus, yeah. the, you know, it was just a natural amount of pressure. And that's, that's where I'm best. And it's weird having a kid, how it's revealed to me that like, I can, it, it's, it's, it's trying not to fall victim to my natural default, which is that I want to be incredible and perfect at everything and do it to yes. the absolute most. Cause that's how I like to drink. Yes. And, and the idea that like, I can be a pretty good to almost very good dad while also being like a pretty good to an almost very good professional and and an okay spouse, I, I got to take a hit somewhere. But yes. Like,
1: yeah. 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 It's a perfection across the board is not possible, and that's okay. And forgiving yourself for it. I mean, uh, and and that's the thing. I I really do think that if I ever become a mom, which is totally on the table, like it's uh, I I I honestly am like, okay, that could be kind of cool, even if you know the world doesn't last as long as I, if, if things go the way I think they're going, like I'll have a, he'll, he'll, he'll maybe see his graduation, you know, I don't know. But like, even, even so, like that will be a fun life to spend with someone, whatever I think, like, I, I think a comet could smash it or there might be a super volcano. I mean, I have a lot of catastrophic thoughts. Do and you that me go, I shouldn't have kids because global warming, we're all going to die because of floods. And then I go, don't have kids. And I'm like, okay, well, even if I have a seven year old who dies in a flood with me, that life is still worth a living like bringing into the world you know oh, be a
0: great seven years probably a great the-
1: seven years oh my god I've, i'm gonna i would i would be the most fun mom up until that seven, that's when i'm actually gonna burn out so that's a perfect amount of time that'll be like my seventh inning stretch of like let's okay let's but, i i mama needs a break let's let's have a fucking natural tidal wave. come take out the the the
0: yeah the house <laughs> something um, of biblical <laughs> proportion
1: yeah but i think that i would be um, I'd be a great mom. Like I, cause I like you, I give, I tried to, to be perfect and then I fall somewhere short of that. And it's still like, I, I grade myself constantly. I'm like, you know, B plus. And then I can make, a, I can make it look like on the outside an A plus to other people, but inside the house, it's a B plus sometimes a D, you know? And I feel like I'd be okay with falling short. I think, I, but I struggle so much what you were just saying with like, giving my all in too many places and taking on too many jobs and Mm. saying yes to too many things because I want to do them. And I want, I want the, I don't want to ever miss out an opportunity. I don't want to have any regrets. And it's, it's honestly just recently started to like really interfere with my, my life and my happiness. It's just like, never and nothing's ever good enough. Nothing I put out is ever good enough and if people think it's good enough, I've tricked them somehow and they're wrong. And I'm going to be found out any day now that I'm not talented and that other people are responsible for my talent that I am talented. The the things that I'm talented for, other people are responsible for them and the things that I, they that are mine that are that people like um I've tricked them somehow. Do you struggle with that the imposter syndrome as they call it? I think
0: I think we, I think all of us as performers do, to a certain extent. And, yeah. and anyone, I was listening to this great Aaron Sorkin interview the other day, and he he said two things, which were both right. He said, one is that you can't stay fed from last night's dinner. Aha! And yes, it's, it's so true, and especially in our work, it's like, whether we like it or not, like, it's, you're only as good as your last thing, and you must keep you know, pushing and pursuing and, and it's not, you know, some of us get that, like whatever Seinfeld or modern family, like that is literally the version in our profession of working at IBM for 35 yeah. years. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really exist outside of that. But, but then he also said, he's like, <laughs> remember that a ball player that strikes out two out of three times will go to the hall of fame. So, oh, wow.
1: I, I love that.
0: That's fucking Sorkin, Nikki. He's Dude, good. Dude, that's so
1: good. Because I've always kind of thought that batting averages were shitty. Like, I've been like, that guy has, like, you know, like, what's a good batting average? Like, I don't know what sports are, but, like, give me, tell me a good one.
0: What's a good one? I think in one? Like, it's like, the 400s.
1: Okay. That is not that impressive out of 1,000. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I've always thought that. I've always been like, why is that a big... That's, like, a good... Don't you guys know that that's less than half the time? And it's, like... That's that's true. It's like it it really you don't have to be you don't have to be that consistent. It's like the difference between precision and consistency, I guess, or there's some kind of line there. But um that really does that I needed that sorkin quote so freaking bad oh, because yeah. I do feel like I've when I have misses, I just cannot forgive myself and I and I start to bully myself like I've, 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 if I could cyber bully myself, I probably would. Like I, I wouldn't trust myself on Ambient. I think I would open a, an Instagram account just to call myself ugly from like a, you know, like the stuff like that. Like I'm so mean to myself and critical, especially when I fail a performance and it doesn't make sense. My therapists always go like, did you ever like a stage mom that made you feel bad and never good enough? And my parents have always been like, you got a B plus. Oh my god, that's great. Like they've never been like, what is this B? You must need an A. But that's what I put on myself. It's so
0: weird. Oh, they sound so healthy.
1: Oh, they're so healthy. It doesn't make sense. Josh, I swear to God my like it, it the my my issues do not correspond with my upbringing. They really don't. Like I'm not even joking you. Not too long ago in a therapy session, my therapist just stopped me in the middle of some story I was telling her about my day and she goes, sorry, um, I'm just looking at my notes. So when were you molested again? And I go, I go, I wasn't. And she was like, are you sure? (laughs)
0: Like
1: like she, she, from the way I talk about myself and like how I talk, she like just assumed I had been molested. It was so funny. Because I almost, I used to have a joke, as, but you know, when I used to do comedy, I was working on a bit about how I truly wish there was something more fucked up about my life so that I could like explain why yeah. I am the way I am. Point and it, there something. just isn't. Yes, it would be so nice to be like, this is why. But it's just kind of, um, you know, I was just a very sensitive child that made me obviously someone who could become a comedian because to be a comedian, you have to be very sensitive and perceptive. But I I suffered a lot as a kid because of it. I was very scared.
0: But it's, you know, it's fascinating. Like I have uh, my best friend in the whole world. He and his brother had the exact same upbringing. And his brother Ah. is like healthy, you know, at least normal from the outside. Maybe he like tortures hamsters in his back room. But like, as far as we know, (laughs) he's normal.
1: (laughs) It's what he does in his man cave. There's a whole room for
0: it. And Like, my buddy and I are two degenerate alcoholics who have very similar ways of looking at the world and, yeah. and it would be hard unless, you know, he's hiding some bit of trauma from me or anyone else. It would be hard to point to what was the thing that triggered him and not his brother but yes but you know it's interesting too and i wonder if you'd echo this i find for people like us around our age and maybe a little younger whether you had the most traumatic life or you had a perfect life there is like this invisible loser line that lives somewhere in your late 20s where once you cross it i don't care what fucking happened to you get it together
1: Yes. I mean, I, I completely agree. Like I get so frustrated when people do not hit that point and get it to fucking gather because I, and I'm still having those moments. Like for me, when I was 27 and I decided that I needed to quit drinking, it was really like, Oh my God, you are not going to reach your potential if you keep doing this. It's just, it's the bottom line and you will not be able to, you truly, this will kill you because you'll probably be so depressed about all the regrets you have of being hungover or drunk and not being able to do these things that you'll probably kill yourself because you're so depressed. Because that's, you know, I was a very depressed person. So for me, it wasn't like the drinking itself that would kill me. It would be the not being able to reach my potential because of the drinking that would eventually cause me to be so depressed that I would probably kill myself. It was like that. So I just, I quickly cut out drinking as, as soon as I could. And it took me a while to figure out a way how, but like I got there. Like I pushed myself to find a bottom pretty quickly. But then when I did that, other things came up and continue to come up of like, okay, now this thing is in your way of of being as successful as you want to be. Now I'm not as motivated to get rid of those things now because I know that you know the career or the the my potential in my career isn't really all that matters. When I was 27, that's all that mattered, and so it was the only thing that alcohol was the only thing that stood in my way. Now I have the career that I always dreamed of, and okay, there's other things that are still in the way, but. There's not, it's not as, um, I'm still continually having that, like, get your shit together moment and I'm grateful for it. But for me, it's almost like, when does it end? Like right now I'm thinking about quitting caffeine because I do think it's like the poison of the masses. Mm. And just like, if you read any research on it, it's making us all anxious out of our minds. Like, uh, it's just makes us, uh, it it's, we're all addicted to it. Too. It's like a, a very and I know I'm addicted to it because going through this quarantine, I tried to like quit because I'm like, what do I have to be awake for? I don't the excuse to drink caffeine is kind of irrelevant now because I'm not getting up and go going to the office and I don't really have early appointments. And I tried to quit and boy could I not. I mean what headache, oh. um, irritability feeling legit nauseous. And then I started reading about the withdrawal symptoms of caffeine and it is legit like severe depression, which I can't even fuck with as someone who's already depressed. So, so I took one look at the withdrawal symptoms and I was like, nah, you're going to take care of this one later. Coffee's on the table for like, that's another addiction you're going to drop down the line. But I just, I, I have them lined up. I can see them coming. Oh, I'm going to have to stop smoking weed. I'm going to have to stop, um, being scared of having sex with people, I'm gonna have to stop uh, drinking coffee. It's like I've got my ducks in a row of of substances right now.
0: And how much how much coffee were you consuming or caffeine?
1: I mean, I don't do that. I'm I do well. I was doing a lot before the quarantine. I was doing like three lots, la- three half half-calf lattes a day, so about a latte and a half a day. Sure, and then. You know, but th- then some days I would have like five cups of coffee in the morning. Later on, I'd chug three. Like it was just not even I wasn't even paying attention to how much I was consuming. So then when I tried to just go cold turkey, it was like nearly impossible. I mean, it was impossible. I was like, there's no way I can even attempt to try this right now with this quarantine. I can't. I need it. And so that re- led me to believe like, "Uh oh, all right, I'll give it up someday.
0: I do the um, sober guy. Um, Grand Slam breakfast in the morning also. (laughs) Which which (laughs) is this? Because I intermittent fast. So my window is not even... I'm not even starting until 10 a.m. to eat. So, you know, I get up with my kid at 6.30. I'm starving. This little jerk's watching some repeat of Elmo that he's seen 11 times and for some reason feels the need to watch again. So (laughs) I... I drink four shots. uh, I drink an uh, an americano that I make with like four shots of espresso and water, and and a uh, and I pop a a piece of Nicorette.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's um. You're looking to like I I don't know if you're on Reddit, but if you go follow the subreddit Decaf, it's all people trying to quit coffee, and it's all literature about it too. Just read a couple accounts and you'll see, uh
0: uh-oh, this is a real thing. And and you'll see what
1: it's doing to you. I know, I know. Josh, it is devastating. I was like, I can't. Not another thing, but it's... And then the Nicorette is interesting. How long ago did you quit smoking?
0: So I never really smoked.
1: (laughs) Got it. No, yeah, I've heard of this. I'm addicted to gum too, but not Nicorette.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's... as benign as you can get, um as far as like, you know, it's sugar free gum with a little nicotine in it and nicotine yeah. is probably the least harmful of the shit that's in cigarettes, right? Um, yeah, but it's very, I mean, listen, I've gone through this with with my wife, who we've been together for eight years, and it's like she having a sex uh, or a healthy relationship with sex and her approach to it has had to teach me that like you know doing it less often than you think is necessary is probably (laughs) healthier and for me I just go feel good do more
1: (laughs) yes yes I mean uh, like I substitute one thing for the next I've I've always and I have like May, like I've had anorexia when I was, you know, 18. And then ever since then, for the past 18 years, I have had some s- sort of eating disorder, just like on full blast, sometimes more quiet. And I'm just starting to like tackle mine now, um, like in quarantine, which has also been like such a gift. But it's... uh I've realized that it's all very tied up with sex too. Like food is just instantly feel better. Oh, put this in my mouth, feels better. Gum, like, oh, this is a new thing to, to now I'm constantly consuming. And when I've been in relationships, man, sex can be, I mean, I always lose weight when I'm in a new relationship because I just have sex instead of, binging or whatever the hell else I want to do. Or like, I always, it's like, if I, that's why I get excited about new relationships. I'm like, I'm going to lose some weight, (laughs) but then it, but then eventually I gain weight because I end up just like supplementing the food for the sex. And because my ex-boyfriend and I, we always used to just get, we called it TF, TF. We would order, we would order too much food and we would get too full to fuck. And so I'd be like, babe, are you TF, TF? Cause we'd be like, do you want to have sex? And we're like, can we like, wait, I'm TF TF. And it was like, that would just always be our night. And then we'd never have sex. So it's like, they're they're all the same to me. I have to have healthy boundaries with all of them. And it's interesting for you to like, see how your wife can have like a normal relationship with something that brings her joy. And it's like, well, then why wouldn't you want to do this all the time? Like, I, I don't think that my brain doesn't work that way. It's like, feel good. Do it again right away. Again, again, like a child, like push me more on the swing. You know, like it's never enough.
0: Yeah, f- there's nothing worse than farty, overly full sex. And also... It's <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Uh, and, and sometimes I, in a different world, because I have the life, the life of my dreams, it's beyond my wildest dreams. But like in yeah. a different life, I sometimes think like I would be... Well suited to be that like Parisian dude who like chain smokes and eats baguettes and like just has and like copious amounts of sex like with people with perhaps more body hair than than is uh, to my liking, <laughs> but it's still a nice time. But the realities are, I'd probably work for a week and then it would just I'd eat too it, much bread.
1: Yeah, you would eat too much, but you wouldn't be able to balance all. I mean, it would just you'd look like Gerard Depardieu and. <laughs> You, it wouldn't be a pretty, I mean, I'm sure he's looked good before, but I just picture him kind of bloated and, uh, miserable. Uh, but maybe he's not, that's just the image I have of him, but you, you, yeah, you can't, um, it would be nice to like, Oh God, I wish I could just smoke or I wish I could just have, like, I always think like, I wish I could just sleep around. And it's like, I'm so glad I, I can't, there's something about me that doesn't let me do that because I would go insane. Like if, I could really abuse any drug. Thank God I'm scared of men. It's like being scared of needles and being like, good. Oh my God. I'd be so into heroin if I, if I wasn't scared of needles, you know, like that's kind of how I am with sex. It's like, I have to trust a needle so much before I let it poke me. But once it pokes me, I want it to poke me all night long, you know, forever. But, like, getting that initial, like, I, it, it's really hard for me. So, I do, the, I do, I like to do intermittent fasting for men. Like, I just, like, abstain until I'm like, I can't take it anymore. And then I, you know, fuck the kitchen.
0: <laughs> What's your, I, now, you've been on a sabbatical, right? Like, are, w- are you comfortable saying how long you haven't? Um...
1: Yeah, it's been a, it's been a year. It's been. Wow. It's going to be a year, I think. Um, Yeah, my birthday's coming up. So I remember I had it around my birthday and it's and it's weird because it's only I've only had and I'm known as like a sex comedian and I think about it and talk about it openly so much um mainly because i'm so prudish and i just like am fascinated by it and kind of scared of it so that's why i like to talk about it i like to talk about sex the same way people like to talk about murder podcasts like they don't want to be murdered they just want to talk about it because they're like that's so wild like that's kind of my attitude around sex is this like fascination like this morbid curiosity um and real innate fear of it like uh like just i don't so that's it's, it's all what's the fear my fear is Intimacy? being bad at it. Intimacy, um, farting,
0: uh, <laughs> well, pooping that's everywhere,
1: all over. Like just like losing control. I mean, orgasms are really terrifying to me, and were something that I wasn't able to have, and still struggle having, only because I have to like let go, and like letting go is just not something i was ever taught how to do or like i really strive to always be in control of myself so and sex also like i just i i kind of attribute it to my mom's sex talk which was not really a sex talk as much as like she told me that if a man ever gets you alone they're gonna try to rape you and so just don't ever be alone with a man and i was like got it and so then (laughs) i just
0: received
1: yeah i was just like i don't want to be raped you know yet. Uh, I'm going to say that for college. So I just didn't kiss a boy until no, I, I really was terrified of men. I just thought that they would overpower me and like try to, and, and my first kiss was pretty traumatizing. When I look back on it, it was already late. Cause I was already just scared, but I was like si- 15 or 16. And this boy just like, I, we both told each other we liked each other. We were like hanging out watching TV and he didn't mean to, and I don't like fault him for it, but cause he just didn't know better. But he like lunged on top of me to make out and like, was just licking my face and like so aggressively, like he thought he had the green light. Cause I was like, Oh, I like you too. And then he just jumped on me and I was like, get off. And I like kicked him off. And then he was like, really embarrassed and like mad at me. And so then he was just like, being an asshole the rest of the night and we like never talked again. And so that I think I still have that of like sending the wrong message when I'm alone with a boy, them thinking I want something that I don't not being able to get them off me, not being able to stop it. And and also when I used to drink, I used to have a lot of sex that I didn't want to have because I was like blackout drunk. So I just like have sex because, you know, I was blackout drunk. And so I wanted to in the moment. And then in the morning, I would wake up and I would be sober. And Ugh. the guy, the guy would know that I was blackout the night before. He like had, wants to have morning sex because we did it last night a bunch. Why wouldn't we want to now? Oh, I don't know. Because I can see you in the light of day and you're Because gross. I'm
0: conscious and yes. have a say in it now. Yes,
1: because I have a say in it. And then you do it anyway because you don't want to feel like an alcoholic, so you let them like. So you're like, okay, let's do it. Because if I wanted it last night, why wouldn't I want it now? You know? Okay. And then you're like, oh no, you're having sex and you don't even want to be, and that gets very like. I'm just always scared I'm gonna have to go through with something I don't want to do, and that's something I do in my career a lot. Like I on I am a people pleaser at heart, and I feel like I just abandon myself to please other people and i never want to do that sexually again so i think now i just never put myself in a position to to do that
0: yeah so I, that's the long answer it it sounds it sounds treacherous to be quite honest I'm not trying huh. to be like some fucking yeah. cuck you know overly sensitive live man but it does it sounds it sounds treacherous and i remember i remember a. a a time where I got I was, I was got hit on aggressively by this gay dude, which I was flattered. Listen, whether yeah. male okay. or female, attractive or not, or, or mostly, attra- if you're a male or a female and you're attractive, I'm honored to be hit on by you. Dude, same, same. But this guy was very uh, intense about it and, like, predatorial, and, like, I felt his big male energy locked into me and it felt threatening and i told my wife about it and i was like it just felt it made me feel really uncomfortable and and way too intense and she's like cool imagine that but always right and i was like (laughs) oh fuck like 95% 95% of the time, you're getting that energy from dudes that you have no interest in. And I-, I imagine that for most women, that is terribly uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. And it's 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 also, it's not even the guys that are into you that you don't want it. I even question ones that I'm into because I I'm scared that once I say, yeah, I'll go on a date with you. Like I owe them something. And like, Mm. so I don't even let someone in at such a low level because I feel like they're going to expect the world from me and I'm going to let them down or I'm going to be brand branded a tease in some way. So I'd rather just not do anything. And I tend to pursue men who I can like convince to like me. Like I almost go like, I want I want guys that are totally unavailable because, I mean, ultimately, I think this is all just like a fear of like being seen and like being loved and what what that means. And do I deserve it? And do I really love myself? I mean, and which brings us all back to me trying to quit every substance that I'm using to run from actually looking inside myself and like learning that I'm not so bad and then loving myself and then letting someone else love me. So I think it's, it's also connected, but it is, it is, uh, it is weird. But like, I just got sent like, a some roses from some fan that figured out where my parents live and like sent them to my house. which is just so creepy. And he wrote this love letter in the roses. That wasn't like a love letter, but it was like, if I would have gotten it as a DM, I'd might be like, Oh, okay. Let's see what he looks like. But because he found out where my parents live and sent roses, I am so disgusted by it. And oh. I just, I can't. But that's the thing. There, there are, I, there, are, it's, it's a fine line between creepy and like actually telling me how you feel about me. Like I don't want to be seen too much. Up, uh, uh, take him out of the mix. Like guys that are DMing me, being like, I really like you, and I've heard you on a lot of things, and I just really. I, I respect you so much and like just even that like makes my skin crawl and it shouldn't because that's but, what I should be looking for is someone who like sees me and knows me. But I'm just like, oh, God, you think you know me? You just heard a couple podcasts like this is too intense. I don't even want to write you back. And then and then I feel bad because I'm like, oh, am I not giving this guy who could be like my soulmate and love me more than anyone a chance? He's because not he DM'd your soulmate. me. I'll tell you. I know. Nikki, okay, that's good.
0: I, I'll be the arbiter. A, he's not your soulmate. B, what if the guy who sent roses sent an edible arrangement? Does that change anything?
1: Um, you know it does because <laughs> I that makes me feel seen because I love edible arrangements. I love 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 them. I really it, honestly, you're right, Josh. I didn't feel seen with the flowers, even though I felt really seen because it, like almost like. Is is he spying spying on me with a drone or like he's definitely Google mapped my parents' house? Like it's all so creepy. But I don't like flowers because I just don't care about flowers that much. I mean, they're nice or whatever, but I do prefer an edible arrangement. And that is not to say that anyone listening do not send me anything to my parents' house. It really creeps me out. Please do not find me. <laughs> but if you're going to alone. an edible r- arrangement, definitely. I love a good honeydew. Uh, I love a, a good uh, melon melon bouquet.
0: Oh look! When they dip the pineapples in the in the chocolate, you know in that the people chocolate? care.
1: Oh my god! Um, I mean, it's not vegan, which I do have to have a vegan edible arrangement, or or else I will not accept one. But yeah, they're they're really fantastic, and I really, I honestly, it's so funny. I thought about edible arrangements the other day, being like, I hope they're doing okay during this pandemic, and I think they probably are because people are sending a lot of food, you know, because. Oh yeah! I hope they are. Shout out to Edible Arrangements. I really love you, and I can't believe you've lasted as long as you have. And I hope you survive this pandemic.
0: I'm sure they are. The markup on fruit alone. I mean, their their margin crazy. is massive.
1: Yeah, you're right, and they use really cheap fruit. Like I said, melons, pineapple. Uh, like, yeah, they're not really you're going not gonna, all out on the fruit. You're not you're getting not gonna, a kiwi. Ra-
0: you're not going to see a Rainier cherry anywhere near <laughs> your edible <laughs> arrangement. <laughs> I don't know if you know much about me, but I very publicly went through a weight loss journey and went through, you know, I went from 300 pounds to 180. And, you know, I I always say that everyone has their weird, awkward teenage years, but then they burn their yearbooks and swear their families to secrecy and move on with their life. Yep. But mine are in reruns. So (laughs) it's, uh, it's always fun to revisit, but for you, I. You know, I know so intimately how much of a bitch the food thing is. And, and like you said, like even now, still there are times in which you, uh, you know, you're you're challenged with it. So what's what's it like? Like, what's that journey been like from 18 to now?
1: Yeah, it's been wild. And I love reading that. Like I read about you today and reading that part of your life, which I had like known about, but I know you have your own story too. And I'm sure there's so many things we can relate on. And and the thing is, it is so ubiquitous. So many, no matter w- what the extremes that you've struggled with, like I, it's it's rare to find someone who doesn't have eating issues. Mm. And um, it's almost comforting that everyone does. But right now, for me, since I was... So I I caught anorexia when I was 18. It just like came on fucking really fast. I I was nervous about a boy who liked me my senior year. It just never happened that like a guy liked me and I actually liked this guy and I was maybe going to have my first consensual kiss. And I was very excited about it. And, um, and I just got nervous cause we were supposed to hang out one day and I got really nervous. You know, like when you get nervous, like, and you just forget to eat, I don't really know that feeling, but it has happened to me a couple times where you're like, just so excited about something you like forget to eat. So one day I just didn't eat as much cause I was like so excited about this boy, not even thinking about it. Right. And then the next day at school, like it was noticeable. Like I just, my body will lose weight very fast and you can see it like on my face. My, my face really carries a lot of my weight. So Ugh. I think it just it, like showed the next day. And it's the I,
0: best. It's the it, best.
1: It, it, the valid, the, I had never felt something as good as, Oh my God, you look amazing. What are you doing? From a girl, Jamie in my class, who I always wanted the admiration of. And she was like, you look skinnier. And I'm like, Oh my God, what have I been doing? And I realized, Oh, I just didn't eat yesterday. And I was like, well, I'm still kind of nervous about this boy. I could not eat today too. And just keep going off these like love fumes. And then that just like, I just was awesome at starving myself. I was like very, very good at it. And so I just did. And I was not like, you know, I was probably weighed like 155, 160, which is like, I was a chunky gal, but not like no one would ever call me fat. You know, like I called myself that, but it wasn't, like an ish. It was, it was definitely, it was on the bigger side and I didn't like the size I was, but it wasn't something I was constantly thinking about or worried about. Um, I cried about it a couple times cause my jeans were tight, but it wasn't like I was plagued. I was never the fat kid at school. I didn't grow up feeling that way. I was always very skinny and just in high school, it kind of got away from me the last couple of years. So anyway, I just got super skinny, super fast within months. I was like, I graduated high school, but I was like, F- fainted at graduation, um, which thank- thankfully like only a couple people noticed and I was able to like get it together so that I didn't get in trouble. I was like constantly worried about getting in trouble because I wasn't eating and people were starting to notice and people were upset with me and I didn't know how to start eating again because I was so obsessed with not eating and it was like such a thrill to like keep dropping weight. And then I went from like, I looked really good for like a day. And then it got very scary looking and no one wanted to be my friend and all my friends were mad at me. And then, um, so it started in March and then by July I was hospitalized because I went to the doctor and cause I had to go for a routine physical to go away to college. That's fall. Yeah. And when I went, my pulse was so low that they were like, you're anorexic and you're going to die any second. So we have to admit you to a psych ward. So I went into a psych ward for like Two weeks what was that like it was wild because I Didn't know I was going to be living sleeping overnight in a hospital. I'd never done anything like that before I had no plan of it. It wasn't like my parents brought me to the hospital to have that happen In fact, they were trying to get me out of it But the hospital would it was like not up to them because I was if they released me after knowing that my pulse was like nothing, they would have been responsible for my death kind of um, because they knew I could die. So they, so I was just golf carted from one section of the hospital to the other. I had to be in the elderly ward because the teenage ward was um, filled And so I was, I had a room with a teenager, this girl who like took too many Tylenol PM because she she was like, it was just a cry for help. I just like am mad at my dad. I don't wanna be, I don't wanna she was like, I don't belong here, but you belong here. Like you look sick as fuck. And so she was my roommate. And then I was just put into this thing for like a week and a half. And I was so drugged up and they had on me, they had all this stuff. They had me on all this stuff that just made it kind of seem like a blur. But I just I lied enough to get out of it, convinced them that I wanted to gain weight, convinced them I'd seen the error of my ways. And then I gained enough weight that I was able to go away to school. And then it wasn't until I discovered stand-up comedy that I was able to like actually start beating it and actually take an, make an effort to go find help. So I found... a Because I, I didn't know... I really wanted to die from it Because it was so fucking miserable I just thought it was gonna kill me And I was like Couldn't wait I just wanted to die in my sleep Every single night Because waking up Was just another day of starving It just sucked and But then I did stand-up comedy for the first time and it was so fun and it was such a good feeling. I was like, oh my God, I want to do this. This is it. And so that kind of gave me a reason to be like, okay, I have a reason to live now. So then I found a really good therapist that helped me look at my disease as a disease and not something I was choosing. So the voice in my head that told me not to eat, I could like kind of disassociate and be like, feel like I was possessed rather than like, it's my fault. I'm choosing not to eat. And so then I just slowly gained weight. And then from, from then on, it's just gone between me either starving myself or in, in, in not in a way that has me on death's door, but like, you know, to a point where people start to be like, are you okay? And then I'm like, yes, I'm doing it right. And then, (laughs) and then I start eating too much. And then in recent years, it's And then I was bulimic for a couple years. I quit doing that. Then I would just, you know, just get into weird foods, not eat till a certain time of day, starve myself all day, binge at night, um, you know, uh, binge, binge in bed, uh, starve all day. Like, it's just taken on a million different styles. And like, I am just now reaching the point where I'm like, oh my God, my eating disorder is 18. It can vote now. <laughs> it needs to move out of my house. Like I'm done with it. Like it's just so, but it's it's honestly one of the hardest things that I'll ever do if I'm able to beat it because you can't just quit. You have to keep eating. It sucks. And p- dealing with that and figuring out what my relationship with food is and having boundaries and s- telling myself I can't do certain things, can't eat certain places, can't eat certain foods, realizing that like I have a disease as opposed to there's going to be some magic diet that fixes everything and makes my life normal. It's been really, really hard to arrive at that. But like, I'm, I'm finally at a place where I'm, I'm, I really want to be done with it. It's like, but it's hard, Josh. I mean, like so hard. Living, being working in show business and even not in show business, everything as a human being tells you to lose weight. And that that's this diet or you should eat this. You shouldn't eat that. Everyone's got a fucking opinion. And having any kind of like normalcy around eating is almost impossible at this point.
0: But is there it would I would imagine like I-, I have a loved one who who contends with it um for for a long part of her life. And and I remember like someone very close to her was like, I just wish that one day she could just my wish for her is one day she can eat normal. And and knowing addiction in the way that I do, I kind of said to her, Oh, no, that'll never, ever happen. Like, Mm. normal won't happen, but she could very well find a group, a support group and a food plan that works for her. And it will relieve her of this. Yes overwhelming obsession cuz i my mom has been in uh you know a version of overeaters anonymous for my entire life and oh wow she, she's got friends who literally have weighed and measured everything they've eaten for decades and you know they've lived a pretty solid you know joyful fulfilled life while just saying like hey i'm never going to be able to have a hot dog at a ball game and what yes. the fuck
1: Yes, it's you're you're hitting on exactly what I have recently discovered, which is like there is a way to exactly. It's never going to be normal, but by acknowledging that it's never going to be normal, you can say, "Well, he, I have to have rules, and I need to stick to those rules to keep me safe." And like uh, the idea of a food plan just seemed so. Anti, like anti whatever i like that to me is like oh my god that's so anorexic like measuring food but like having a food plan and being able to be like okay i'm just this is what i do every day and i don't deviate from this and that's how i keep from thinking about other things it's been uh, it's something that i i hope to have but i think you're absolutely right that is how someone can have quote unquote normal eating is by just accepting the fact that they don't they'll never have normal eating but they can they can just surrender to a plan which is like, ugh. Ah, uh, it's so, it's, but it's so fucking tricky. hard. It's oh, so yeah. tricky. If we could all just stop eating or we could just, you know, there was a, just a easy, like a pill you could take and you get all your nutrients and you just call it a day, it would be so much easier, but it is not. And if every single time you turn on the TV, they weren't telling you that you're doing it wrong or that you should try this or that it's normal to eat this. And it's, 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 it's really is like a, um, it's just something I'm cracking open, like just beginning to look into because it's, it does feel so normal to have weird eating. Like, it's just like, that's the way we do it as Americans or like that, you know, that's the only experience I know is an American experience. But to, you know, I think I first started having food issues as I can look back and like, for me as a woman, it was always like women hate their bodies. Women talk about not eating this and that makes you a woman. And when you're a little girl, you just want to be a woman. You want to be a big girl. And for me, big girl meant trying not to be a big girl, you know? Yeah. Oh. And so it's hard to unbrainwash that. It's hard for me to like think that it's actually cool to not be on a diet. I'm so used to being like, oh my God, if you're on a diet and you're starving, that means you're cool. And it's like, Ugh, on what planet is that cool? This well, one.
0: I'm happy <laughs> I don't know if this will give you any sense of relief, but as someone who has spent, you know, a normal healthy amount of time on the porn hub, I am seeing an upward trend uh, of of women who are, you know, beautifully shaped, beautifully normal. Yes. <laughs> and I just think that this is the right trend to be on because I women so are too. beautiful in every shape and size god damn it i know i've been watching a lot
1: of porn recently i definitely got pornhub premium that they offered Ooh. for the for the uh yeah and i pay for my porn anyway um you, you know what the i thing just is makes me feel less bad
0: about it <laughs> the thing about pornhub premium is before you have it all you think is i don't need that and then you get it and you're like <laughs> how did i ever live without this it's like postmates
1: It's so true. I can't deal with, I want to, I want an hour long video and not because I'm going to watch the hour. It's because I want to get to the, I I want a lot more to choose from within the scene. You know, like I, I don't like having just six minute clips where it's like, oh, it's just not enough sometimes. Um, so yeah. And I've been seeing a lot more like girls that look like me at different stages of my life. I can find like every size and shape of myself now. And that's nice. That's nice to have.
0: Yeah, I like. Listen, I like to see when the guys got a couple extra pounds around the midsection. Same. it It helps me imagine that it'd be, you know, maybe I could be in there one day.
1: Yes. That's, that's where we want to see added inches around the
0: waistline. <laughs> yes.
1: It's, it's true. Like it's really is important to be, and and that's what I do on Instagram. Like any girl now that makes me feel bad about my body besides Emily Ratajowski, because Emily Ratajowski's body is just like alien. Like it doesn't make sense and it defies phys- physics. Yes. Um, and like, gen- like any human, like there's just something about it that I can separate enough and I don't compare myself to. Cause I'm just like, and her confidence is just really inspiring to me. And I actually, I don't get as triggered by her things, but I live in a world now and to help myself as if I see, if there's someone on Instagram who only makes me zoom in and go, God, how does she look like that? Like I just unfollow like, and now my feed is just like normal looking women. I forget about the people who even used to trigger me. And I and I mean that for any, not just body stuff, like if someone's career is making me jealous or making me feel like I'm not enough, or I'm just, anytime I catch myself pinching and zooming in on any aspect of their life or like reading the comments too much to be like, oh, I just unfollow and like protect myself. And if I really want to know what's going on in their life, I'll I'll want to know enough that I'll like look it up on my own. You know what I mean? And not just have it shoved in my face every day. It's been really helpful.
0: You know, I I think that is inspired. And you know what I've started doing that with is people who are overtly political. Like, yes, if you were super Bernie or super Trump, I don't want to hear from either of you because it's just so intense and all over my feed all the time.
1: Yes, I just anything that's causes like. We got to just pay closer attention to what like makes us feel less than. And like, that's something that I'm with meditation and just, just growing older. I'm just trying to catch myself in those moments and be like, okay, acknowledge that you're being really mean to yourself right now. Just acknowledge it. Don't get mad about it. Don't try to fake it and look in the mirror and go smile and tell yourself you love yourself. We don't need to do that, but we just need to, we need to just be more aware of what's going on. Like of how many times you talk to yourself like this a day. And then you, maybe you'll start to see a problem, you know, just that awareness. Do you meditate?
0: I (laughs) don't. And I know that I should, but I've also recently heard a statistic, which is, which says that no one meditates, but I know you do.
1: really? Yeah. I really honestly do. It's the only thing I actually do. And, um, I, I would say that I've probably missed. Yeah. I do TM at least once a day. And I've, Um, but the best way I know to start, and if your listeners are struggling with this too, and I've, I've been pretty open about it, but like it's, it's TM, you have to pay thousands of dollars to like learn the course and it's obviously worth it, but not everyone can do it. So what I turn people to is, um, Sam Harris, who has an amazing app called the waking up app and they do a 50 day course and you can sign up for the app. I think it's like, it's like a lot a month like you know it's between 15 and 25 bucks a month but if you can't afford it you just write into sam harris and like there's a little email at the at the app store that you write into and you're just like hey i can't afford it and then no questions asked they give you a year for free and it has a a 50-day course and it's just 10 minutes a day that's all you need to do to start meditating and you do 50 days and then once you complete the 50-day course in the time that it takes you it might take you three months might take you you know 50 days um, when you're done, then you get a new meditation every day. That's just 10 minutes from him on the app. And that, that to me, I've gotten so many people into meditating. It's the easiest way. You can't fuck it up. It's only 10 minutes. Everyone has that amount of time. And, uh, so yeah, that's my, that's my spiel.
0: Oh, I know I need it. What, what do you, is the best or one of the benefits you've gotten from meditation is the, the ability in which to view yourself acting out? to like be witness to your neurotic or pattern-based behaviors that you know aren't working for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, what the, the, what I really have gotten it from it is things that I can't even, I don't even know. I just know that I, there's something about it that makes me feel better after I do it. Like it's instantly, it helps me kind of how often are we just not thinking of anything, but like our just having our minds like just, I mean, except unless you are like, when you fall asleep, you have some quiet time when your eyes are shut and you're still awake, but you're just in between. But even then it starts to get kind of dreamlike. We're never just like sitting alone with our thoughts. And that's the thing about meditation that people don't understand is like, you are thinking the whole time. And that is meditating. It's like acknowledging that you're having thoughts. And that is it. It's like, it's been helpful to differentiate between my thoughts and me. And that just brings me back to the anorexia thing. Like as soon as I was able to, to recognize that this thing i hated about myself this why couldn't i eat why can't i eat a cheeseburger like people yell at me why can't like i just couldn't do it but i didn't know why and then i was able to differentiate the thought the thought wasn't me i wasn't thinking don't eat that was like coming from some fucking place and it wasn't really me that wasn't the right thing to do this wasn't like that that thought was like uh, from somewhere else. So as long as I was able to acknowledge that it was a thought and it wasn't something I was manufacturing and wanting, I could ignore it. Just like I could ignore someone yelling at me, don't eat, you know, or do eat. So I think that's what helps with meditation is that you're able to look at your thoughts and really separate yourself from them so that you don't drown in them and feel like whatever you're thinking is the truth because it's not. And you can choose to dodge your thoughts like you could dodge... I feel like meditating is like when you're walking out and you're trying to get out a little bit further in the ocean and the waves are coming in and they keep pushing you back. And as soon as you learn to dive underneath them, you can get out there a lot sooner to the still water. And I feel like now I know how to dive underneath my thoughts as opposed to just letting them hit me on the chest, like and send me back further.
0: While you're trying to like get your boogie board out there for a great yes. time at the Jersey Shore.
1: And what better feeling is it when you dive into a wave and you like feel it wash over you, but not take you down? Like, I feel like so, I feel like a dolphin in those moments. Like you just feel so powerful. And I really do feel that way with my thoughts a lot of times where I can be like, okay, hold on. You are being this thought you're having right now where follow it out. What is it? Where is it coming from? You. It's not real. Just ignore it. Just try to like duck under it a little bit. And then it, it, it tends to go away. It's, it's just... I just, the one thing I say about meditation that really changed for me and, and anyone who's like, I can't do it. My mind races too much. I have ADD. If I can do it, I promise you could do it. I never thought I could do it. But the best example I can give is that I, I am someone who like really beats myself up for anything wrong. I do. And one time after I, it was probably a six months after I started meditating, I left my purse in a cab and I didn't realize it until I was already up in my apartment. I was with my friend and he, and I was like, where's my purse? And then I'm looking around. I'm like, Oh fuck. Oh. And I'm like, I know for a fact I left it in the cab and I just go, okay, well, all right. Do you want to get lunch? Do you have money? Because it it just was an acceptance of like me going right now to this place of like, Oh, why did I lose my purse? Why do I always do stuff like this? I'm such a fucking idiot. And then someone's going to find it. And then it's like, I just go, okay, I'll have to get a new ID. I'll have to cancel my credit card. Okay, let me just send an email to my accountant. That's fine. Okay. Oh, I really liked that purse. That sucks. Well, I'm still alive. Like it just, i the way I handled it, I didn't recognize myself. I was so calm. And that wow. is what meditation has given me. It's like, I didn't even have to think about reacting that way. That's just how I reacted. And that is not how Nikki Glaser reacts to anything. That's when I really was like, whoa, I'm a different person because of this stuff.
0: Oh, I am so in awe. I literally this morning freaked out (laughs) about a piece of paper that I needed that truly like required one phone call to have them send a replacement, but it was, it, it was, um, what's the word you, it wasn't. It, it it was it was bigger than the paper. It was yeah. the betrayal of self that I am such a forgetful fuck busy thinking about me that I can't keep a couple papers in the right yeah. place. Oh. Yeah. I've had so many of those
1: emails. I owe people that they write me and they're like, Hey, can you get back to me? And I'm like, I knew that I was supposed to do that. Why would I choose not to do that? I obviously like don't have any respect for anyone else. I'm such a selfish bitch. Like I'm such a fuck up. How have I even gotten this far? Everything's going to fall. And it's like, hold, like we always do no matter what, whenever there's been some sort of alarm like that, like the other day, my basement started flooding a pipe broke at my parents' house. And you would have thought, Josh, I'm not kidding you. The way my mom reacted, I was like, oh, now I know how she would react if she found me dead. Like, that's how insane her reaction was to the the flood. Like, just like literally, I can't even do an impression because my parents will think that this room (laughs) is flooding because they're on the premises. But it was just like, no, EJ, don't that!" no, like it was like, crazy, the overreaction. And I was upstairs and I just went to my room because I knew that there was nothing I was going to do to fix a fucking like pipe. I just went to my room, put on my noise canceling headphones and tried to take a nap because I was like, I can't deal with that energy. And I just feel like when I've had like now the way I would react to that is just like, okay, this is funny. There's a flood. Let's do what we can. But the catastrophizing is so much Energy, it's almost embarrassing because later on I ran into my mom like a couple hours later after I woke up from my nap, and obviously the flood wasn't as bad as they thought. It wasn't thousands and thousands of dollars of damage like my mom kept screaming it was. It was not the and I even like was like so are you okay and she's like yeah I'm fine and it was like awkward because of how much she overreacted and I feel like I just the only reason I don't do those things anymore is because I meditate. I just have the ability to not overreact. And I'm not like, it's not that you just let things happen and you just have this blase attitude. And I'm just like, it's, it's just panicking like that and beating yourself up like that never helps It has never once helped anything. And so oh. I, I finally just realized that and I can kind of catch it, but I'm not perfect on it. I really, you know, I, it I, it, it's to the point now, if I don't meditate, I I beat myself up about it. And so I have to even be gentle about myself, like not meditating sometimes, because sometimes you get busy. But when you can do it, it's just such a great tool to have. Waking up. Try the app.
0: I've heard you talk about it before. And yeah, I'm, I'm big, obsessed.
1: It's just the freest way to do it.
0: I'm a big Sam Harris guy, so I can only imagine oh. anything he does yes. is, is the Dude, best.
1: You're going to love it. Ten minutes a day. Seriously, you got to do it.
0: I will, I wonder too, like for you, right? Let's, let's imagine your, you know, your eventual perfect spouse that comes right at the right time when you're ready. right. Do right. you think like my wife is so beautifully in the antithesis of me? Like, because growing up in New York, I would have thought I would have married some like Upper East Side, super erudite, like yeah. fa- what was familiar. Right. And instead I married like this athletic, beautiful, kind Irish Catholic girl from Manhattan Beach because she was exactly the right person for me. And right. So, for how you, did you guys meet? We met at a Halloween party. Oh, yes, yeah.
1: did you know right away or were you friends first? like what was sorry, I don't know the history. What was the vibe initially?
0: No, not at all. We um her we kind of not she doesn't remember this, but I do. and she we were young. She was twenty. I was twenty four mm. And uh I just remember we locked eyes a few times over the night throughout the party. And then her friend uh kind of did the assist and came up and got close enough where we just like had like a random like, oh hey, how you doing, having fun, blah, blah, blah.
1: Yes.
0: And I, God bless her friend who was like had no ego about it and who's hot and dope, but I just had a connection with Paige, my wife, and I just kind yeah. of said, Who's your friend? And uh and yeah, and we we sort of hit it off from there. But to your To your point, we didn't, you know, we didn't really start hanging out and become physical. Like, we talked, we, like, kind of lightly dated, but nothing serious for, like, four months. Whoa. And that had never happened to me.
1: Wow. Okay. I love that.
0: It was really interesting. Was that
1: her doing or you're doing or did you talk about it or just it didn't happen because it was, like, that was just the vibe?
0: You know... I somehow knew that she was a good girl, right? And I just didn't feel like I, I just didn't feel like I wanted to go there until I knew absolutely that that was something she wanted, and, right? And then once like she made it really clear, then it was like great. And but it was it was really interesting the way look I, I've talked about this before, but the most revealing thing about her and my relationship is like, I'm from a single mom and I'm an only child. And it informed the way in which I deal with conflict because if 50% of your parental structure can leave you, anyone can.
1: Right. And thus
0: I felt as though I needed to be perfect in a relationship because Anytime that that there was a hiccup or a fight or something, someone could walk away. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, that's so scary. They could. I've been there before, even not as the child divorce, but like I've always been. I my first, my only real relationship. Half of it, I just spent so scared he was going to be like, "I don't like when you do this," or "I don't like." I never even said anything was wrong. If I ever was upset about anything, I never. Spoke up because I was just scared he was going to be like, well, that sucks. You suck. Bye. So I just was like constantly worried about abandonment, like constantly. How did you overcome that fear of like, she's going to leave if I fuck up? I mean, were you were you like that? Were you constantly like non-confrontational and.
0: Well, I was more, I took the reverse approach, which is like very male and like the Tony Montana of it all, of mm. like, oh, there's an issue? Fuck it. it. This was fun, wasn't it? All the best. <gasps>
1: right, right. Leave like, before they leave you.
0: Yeah, and like, and listen, no one's keeping you here, and trust me, like, I'll be fine. I've yes. always been fine. I'll be fine oh, wow. after. And she, coming from like, one of four kids with a super healthy family structure was like, where are you going to go? Like, <laughs> family, family doesn't leave. And yes. You can fuck up. We can even go to bed mad because family doesn't leave.
1: Yes, that is. That's the thing that. um I don't know. I'm not, I'm not convinced of, I'm always scared. They're going to, even though no one's left me yet, there's, so, there's must be something weird that I haven't dug up yet uh, of getting abandoned because I'm always like, they'll leave me if, and I think it was because of the, the, my first relationship. I asked the guy like, Hey, I think I love you and I don't feel like you're going to say it at any point. And he was oh. like, and he was like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to cause I don't say it. Like, I don't, I've never said that to anyone. I don't plan on saying it to anyone. And I was like, okay, this is news to me. And so I just stayed in that relationship and and sucked it up and was just like, okay, you don't need to say I love you. Because I, at first I broke up with him because I'm like, I need to hear I love you. And if you'd say you never can, bye. And then I was like, never mind. I don't care. Take me back. And then from that day on, I never demanded anything or asked of anything because I was just scared he was going to say, well, I don't do that. So bye. And then, and then that gave me no license to ever have any kind of like needs in a relationship and that completely my fault. And he ended up saying, I love you. I mean, it was all a ridiculous thing, but there's, there's something like that for me. I, I interrupted your question that you were going to ask me about my future. And I'm sorry that I've, I made you forget it in, entirely.
0: No, no, you didn't. And Thank you for the assist. But uh, right before I get to that, I will ask you, have you ever read Anthony DeMello's book, how to love? no. Oh, it's a must. Okay. Amazon Prime it today. It's a must. Okay. It's like
1: how to love. I'm writing it down.
0: Anthony DeMello. Okay. I'll text it to you if you need, but love it, it will it'll it'll rock your world, and it's like 80 pages.
1: Okay, awesome. I've been looking for a new like pamphlet to read. <laughs> um, I, no. All these books are so long, so that is like really entices me that it's 80 pages.
0: The the thing is like literally the size of like a post-it note. Yes. It's great.
1: I'm so excited to read his brochure. That is going to <laughs>
0: solve all my issues. So do you think do you think that your spouse, if you're just projecting, is in the form of like some entertainment type super enlightened does a lot of work on themselves type dude or is it someone like in my relationship who was just sort of at a default that way and maybe totally different than kind of the person that you thought you'd end up with what do you think
1: Yeah. I, I've always imagined ending up with someone in the business and like who does this for a living too, and who understands it. And, you know, I've always been attracted to comedians and actors and radio personalities and like anything I do. And, um, and I've been realized I'm just attracted to people who are like me. That's not the healthiest thing. Like what I'm already me. I don't need another me. I mean, it's nice to share commonalities, but, um, I found that, you know, I'm, I, I don't. I, I'm. I might. I'm. I'm definitely broadening my horizons. Like I'm even like hitting up guys from my old high school to be like, "What are you up to?" Like I, I'm open to anything. So I, my, what I do think is that I need a little bit more time to like figure out what I want, and um, and so I'm less about like God. There's no guys out there because I do have a lot of suitors, and I just am not in a place to actually. Let someone in. Uh, literally, I can't let someone in my house because I'm living with my parents, and they're um, immuno- You know, they're over sixty, so I gotta protect them from the COVID. But Fair. I, um, I so this is almost the best thing to ever happen to someone who's scared of intimacy is to be like, oh my god, there's a fucking quarantine. I
0: can't get close to you. <laughs> the um, CDC says we can't fuck.
1: Yeah, they, yeah, I can't learn about your childhood. Oh wait, wait, I can. Okay, <laughs> well, okay, I guess Facetiming. I mean, yeah, I think. I think it's going to I'll I keep beating myself up because I'm like, oh, my God, all these great guys want to take you out and you don't want to give them a chance. And the truth is, like, I'm going to like who I like, and I have been attracted to people before. I need to stop judging myself for not liking the right person and just wait until I naturally am attracted to the right person instead of forcing myself to like someone just because they're good on paper. And that's where I'm at. I'm like, I acknowledge that I don't like the best type of guys, and that's that's a problem. And I want to start just naturally liking the right type, like someone that I'd want for my friends. But I always want those kind of guys for my friends. I'm like, no, I deserve someone more fucked up.
0: Oh, it's so read how to love. And then I, want I can't to wait. I really, I, I,
1: I, I, I'm looking forward to it because I do need to know how to love. I know how to love animals and my friends. And I sometimes, will, you know, will hug my parents, but even them, it's hard. It's hard to love my parents. Like I'm, I'm all over the place. So that's, exa- that's Anthony DeMello is going to save
0: me. I have no doubt. So that's all I kept, I've kept you long enough, Nikki. I'll ask you the my final question that I ask everyone on the podcast. What are your one or two Nikki Glazer commandments, truths that you have discovered that you'd want to impress upon someone else?
1: Okay. I feel like I already kind of went there with the meditation thing, but, and, um, okay. truths. I like, okay, well, if you liked me this whole episode, you're about to not like me because I'm about to make you feel bad. But yes. um, most people feel bad. But my biggest truth is that, and I hate it too. It's that being anything other than vegan, you're, it's not nice. It really isn't. And you can't pretend to like animals and love animals. And know where meat comes from and how it's made. And I know you're not getting all your meat from the local farmer who gives the life, gives the cow a great life and the pigs a great life. I know that there are farms that do that. Most of you are not getting your meat from there, and you know that you're not. Fish feel pain just like everyone else does. Lobsters they feel pain too. They, you know, people always go, "Oh, the lobsters that that hissing noise, that screaming noise. That's not them screaming. That's just air escaping their shells." Um, um, guess what a scream is? So everything feels pain. Um, if you're not vegan, you really haven't looked inside yourself enough uh, to really think about if you really love animals, because I don't think you do. And um, and it just makes me so sad to even talk about. And I wish I weren't a vegan. I, I love meat. I miss it very much. And that is the final thing I'll say is that I know you like meat. I know you like dairy. I know you like all these things. They're delicious. I have a less enjoyable life because I love animals. It sucks. And you, if you love animals, should maybe read up on what happens to them and how they're born into the worst lives ever. And they never see an ounce of comfort or joy from the second they're born. And then they're slaughtered mercilessly for, your, for you to go, this chicken's kind of weird on the salad. I'm not going to eat it. And then you send it back. And literally their life was for legit nothing and all their suffering was for nothing because you didn't like the way the chicken was cooked on your Caesar salad. So that's my diatribe. And that's why um, most people have already turned off this podcast.
0: I, preach. My wife is <laughs> vegan. I am not. But I, I feel like the fact that I sleep with a vegan is a step in the right direction.
1: It really is. And that's the thing. I want to say that I have to be annoying as a vegan. It is our duty. I know we're annoying, but it is the only reason that anyone ever goes vegan. I didn't go. I used to hate vegans. I used to have jokes about how annoying they were and how they and just how like effeminate it was for a guy to not eat meat. Like I used to have these really bad j- vegan jokes and <laughs> vegans are annoying, but that's the old, that's how they got through to me. They were annoying enough that I started to have to pay attention. So I have to continue on and be an annoying vegan too. So that that's all I'll say on that.
0: I love. But it. thank you Nick, for letting me. <laughs> are, you, are you you do what are we doing? Garden burgers? What, are you yeah, doing yeah veggie meat burgers? Replacement? But I
1: love tofu. I freaking love it. I love beans. I love rice. I love vegetables. It's I, I true. I miss dairy. I miss froyo. I miss cheese. But there are substitutes that work, and it doesn't matter if you miss it. I don't care. That's not a good excuse. I like milkshakes. I can't picture my life without eggs. Um. Yes, you can. You can do it. You've had your fun. You've had enough eggs in life. Party's over.
0: Leave That's how those I see it. Chicken embryos alone, you fucks.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I as I I, I if chicken was the last thing for me to go. It was fit. You know, it was first. It was red meat. Then it was um. You know and then it eventually got down to chicken but chicken was the last thing to go and it shouldn't be if you've ever owned a bird you know that birds are so cool and so smart and so amazing and I used to own birds as a kid and I never made the connection that a bird a parrot is just as intelligent and sweet as a chicken people have chickens are amazing and they're and it just breaks my heart to even think of what they're go through so i i just I can't eat them anymore I can't believe I'll die without ever tasting chicken again but it's true I will
0: I, well, I think that's a good goal to have to let's all try to die without ever tasting chicken again. <laughs> <That's>
1: <laughs> Thank the, you so that's much. That's the worst vegan. And, and PETA is going to write me and be like, Hey, you're not helping. Okay. We know we're obnoxious, but you're taking it a step too far. That isn't good for us. Uh, I appreciate you, Josh. Thank you so much.
0: Nikki, you're awesome. Thank you so much you're for the doing awesome. This.
1: Yeah. You're so awesome too. This was an awesome, like, hate to say awesome too many times, but it truly was. A, it was an incredible
0: conversation. Uh, I'm so glad. That was it. That was Nikki. Come on. How good was that? Sorry. You know, listen, we're still in the age of Corona as you heard. And so we had to do that over the phone. We planned to do it in person, but I, I thought this was, this was some impressive podcasting. The two of us, the banter, you can't buy that. You really can't. Um, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't have been happier. And that's it. You know what? I'm just I'm here. I'm out here podcasting, you know, living the life, trying to get those conversations and move me and in turn move you. If I am moved, you are moved. I, uh, I heard someone say something to the effect of like, don't try to change me. Move me. Is this not a friggin' these quotes? Who comes up with these quotes? They're so applicable. Oh, by the way, and I realized this, I, I I was in fear when I said it to Nikki, but I didn't want to correct myself in the middle of it. And then I heard it back and I'm like, I'm an idiot. The book is actually called The Way to Love by Anthony DeMello. So if you're familiar with the book and you were screaming at your listening device saying, Josh, what are you, an idiot? You're, you're such a fan of this book. You don't even know the title. I First of all, you're right. I'm an idiot. But secondly, you look like a crazy person. You're screaming. You're screaming into your, are you screaming at your iPhone because you're mad at me? Maybe, maybe there's an underlying issue there that you should perhaps uh, uncover, unpack it. You know what I mean? Unpack it, put it away, put it in the dresser of things that you never look at again. You know, just an idea. Anyway, guys, love you. Have a great week. Bye.